Tonight on the Midnight Train, Murders, Mystery, Torsos, and Cleveland? All this and more coming right up. Listener discretion is advised. All aboard. Welcome to episode 76 of the Midnight Train Podcast, where we bring the dark to light. Well, what's that mean? Eh, You guys know what that means. We make fun of and joke about creepy shit while bringing you as much information on each topic as possible. I am your host, the conductor of the cryptic, Jonathan Sayer, and with me, as always, is my co-host, the myth, the man, the legend, Jeff Butchko. How are you, buddy? A good day to you, sir. (laughs) A good day to you. A good day to you, sir. A good day. Pass me a Trisket cracker. A Trisket? I'm hungry. What? I don't know. <laughs> I, I instantly go into my own accent when I get hungry. I'm not even and sure. I ask for Trisket what, crackers. What, is that just your thing? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, I'm man. just gonna start doing it from now on. Like, you know, when I'm around the family and stuff and I'm hungry. Just I need a Trisket cracker. Just need a Trisket. I'm hungry. You remind me of uh that when you do that, uh what's his name? Um Michael Scott from The Office. This is one of my favorite characters yeah. of all time. That's totally who they remind all me time. of. So everything going good? Yeah. What what's going on? Well, yeah. <laughs> I guess we, we won't touch on politics, but you know, that's, <laughs> yeah, a, that's for a different stay, podcast. Stay away from that shit. But as promised, I told the listeners when the election was over, and I, you know, honestly, I don't think it's over, but I didn't say that. But I'm keeping my word. I'll be back on Facebook by the, by the time you guys hear this episode. I'll be back on Facebook and I'll be back in the forums, blowing it up. Yay. Posting memes, making fun of this and that. We can communicate again. Okay, well, so, that's good. You hear that, folks? Jeff will be back up there. Yeah, yeah, and all we'll the see how long memes, it lasts. All the stupid memes can start. <laughs> yes. So there's gonna be raccoon balls. I guarantee nice. that dancing raccoon balls for sure. Good, because we need those. Yeah, we need those in our lives. Life, it makes life better. Yeah. So, um, I again, I got a voicemail. Um, this time, uh, dude, shit's getting a little bit weird. I told okay. you we should have we should have gone to his house and checked on. Well, speaking of, I, I'm kind of mad that we didn't because remember I called you and you're I'm like, what are you doing? You're like, oh, I'm playing PlayStation. I'm like, yeah, I'm playing on the computer. Like, right. Should we go check on Moody? You're like, nah, after this match. I'm like, yeah, fuck it, let's do it tomorrow. And then like, we never called each other. Like I said, we're horrible friends. I know, but I mean, at least we tried mentally. We thought about it, right? Yeah. Well, we uh, I actually got a phone call from his wife, Danny. Oh God, no. Yeah, and uh, she left me a voicemail because I didn't know the number. I didn't, you know, obviously I'm not going to have Moody's wife's number, or do I? <laughs> Just kidding. <laughs> um, so anyway, she left me a voicemail, and dude, it's pretty fucked up. Um, when was this? Uh, it was yesterday. And you didn't tell me. Yeah. That's a good friend. You're a good, you're a good friend to me. Yeah. Oh yeah. Thank you for not telling yeah. me. Cause yeah. like I was having dinner, having a great night yeah. and I don't want to be ruined. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. No. Yeah. Good looking out. I owe you one. Yeah. You got it. So, um, so here it is and it's pretty fucked up. All right. Hey John, it's, uh, it's Danny. Um, so I, I know like you guys were messing around at first, but, uh, I'm actually getting kind of worried about Moody. Um, he left the other day and I haven't seen him since. Um, he stopped answering my calls and texts and I, I just, I, I don't know what's going on with him. Um, he'll, he'll be home soon, baby. Just, just go in the other room, okay? Um, anyways, if, if you hear from him or see him at all, please, please give me a call. Um, we're, we're just, you know, worried about him. Um, thank you. Uh, talk to you later. Bye. 
Yeah. So what do you think of that, dude? Like she's, she's sounds like she's pretty fucking upset about this. Do they have guns in the house? I don't think he's, what, what the fuck is that? What? What the fuck? Oh, what? Fucking, what the fuck? Hey. Moody's here? What's, Moody. What's up, fellas? What? What's going on, dude? What the fuck? Look, look, I can't talk about it right now, but I'll tell you what. First of all, I ran a long ways and I might die if I stay here too long. Okay? Oh you God. want a water or beer? I haven't. Uh, I haven't. <laughs> Listen, okay, here's oh the deal. God. No, here's the deal. I knew you guys were recording. What did I miss? How far along are you? Uh, we literally just started. Yeah, we were just talking about you. Like just talking about you. Really? Yeah. You guys are late as fuck. Anyways, I know. I know. Look, look, I have so much crazy shit to tell you guys. Okay. Oh, man, I can't but, wait to hear this. Okay. But don't have the time right now. Okay. So let's get through this episode real quick. Okay. And then at the end of the episode, I'll fill everybody in on what the hell's been going on. Okay. Ooh, okay. I will say this. I will say this. I haven't been home in like a day, a day and a half. So my wife's probably worried about me. Yeah, we were. I was just talking about, dude. I got a freaking voicemail from her, man. You She's might freaking out. Do you have a phone? Do you have you your phone? A voice? No, no, I don't have a phone anymore. What I got to your phone. I haven't had a phone. I haven't had an actual phone in like weeks. It's just been burner phones. That's. I told you every time he freaking calls me. I don't know the freaking number. Do you need a shower? Probably. <laughs> well, let's do the show. Baby. Oh I, uh, my so, god! This is good. Oh, we have Moody back. Yeah. Well, yeah. for today, yeah. for now, we'll see how it goes. <laughs> I don't know how long it's going to last. That the is... nice thing is, they don't know where we're broadcasting from. I guess that's true. We're in a right. basement, so yeah, nobody. It's not live. They can't catch our signal. Right. So we're good for that. Should I for put, now? Should I move my Jeep to the back? Should I be worried first and <laughs> foremost? <laughs> Like, I mean, should I? <laughs> well, let me wait to see if you're no. the, the <laughs> Just, I, I got it covered, okay? I got it covered. Listen, I got plenty of guns in the house. I've got so. it covered right, for now. Gonna, I don't know how long I can keep them away, but for now, we're good. We'll figure it out as we go. Oh, boy. All right? All right. So we're waiting to the end if of this. If you hear the doorbell, I'm going out that window, though. Okay. All right? Do you have one of those video doorbells? All right. Uh, no, I don't have one of those. Okay, but, but just- I got a dog. Look, at this point, at this point in the night, if anyone comes over- we know it's not one of his friends because we're all here. Correct. So <laughs> I'll go out that window. You guys will be cool. All right. All right. right. Because the good. car, the car that I came in, it's not my car. Oh, he, that Jesus. window doesn't. That window doesn't open though. You have to jump through it. It will if I throw something through it. <laughs> okay. <laughs> and here we go. All all right. That doesn't happen. All right. Wow. Let's, let's. What What are we talking about today? I, I, what are you guys talking about today? I I have so many questions, but I'll, I'll wait till the end of the yeah, episode. Yes, fine. I'll answer as many of them as I can. Well, all right. All right, we'll, we'll get to that. So you beautiful wow. bunch of dark passengers know that we are just two musicians and a fucking crazy guy <laughs> that love history and can't get enough of the mysterious. And we want you all to know how much it means to us that you're listening to us at this very moment. Your reviews and support really do make all the hard work have worthwhile. You guys, have you guys ever spent like more than one night in the woods, by the way, with yes. like nothing? Yes. With nothing? Yeah. For, just like a week. with the clothes on your back? No. Pretty, pretty much. I mean, like some supplies. But no. But not like you. Kidding. Not like running from God knows what. Do you know how fucking hard it is to get away from dogs chasing you, by the way? Holy shit, shit is impossible. (laughs) You got to stay in the rivers, in the water, because they can't, it's harder for them to follow. Okay. I guess that makes sense. The scent kind of goes away? Yeah. A little bit. Okay. Okay. Anyway, I can't wait to hear like what started all this. Uh, Me too. Well, in saying that, please stop over to Apple Podcasts or wherever you're listening right now and give us a five-star review. It does help for some fucking reason. And, uh, you know, we're not doctors, so we don't know. And you can leave any review you'd like. It doesn't matter. Just give us five stars. You can also find us on Spotify and iHeartRadio by typing the Midnight Train podcast in their search bar and clicking the follow button. 
You'll then get each episode as they are released and Patreon subscribers, subscribers, subscribe. There's the first one. Oh, I guess things haven't changed that much. <laughs> nope. Yeah, we got a new effect for that, by the way. It's. Oh. I like it. Yeah, that Evan. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Not our Evan. Not Bruce, our, Bruce Almighty. Yeah. Yeah. Bruce yeah. Almighty, yeah. So anyway, uh, you guys over there on Patreon are going to be getting a uh, smiley face killer bonus, which should be dropping hopefully tomorrow, if not most definitely by Wednesday. Well, whenever you listen to this, so the next just listen. So uh, you can sign up over at patreon.com uh, forward slash the midnight train podcast and check it out. All right. So let's turn on the lights, adjust our seats, grab a drink and let's get spooky. But first, here's a toast. To all you beautiful motherfuckers. I went back to Ohio. But my city was gone. Oddly enough, this is like Rush Limbo's theme song. There was no train station. I told him that Obamacare's gonna ruin it up in the entire United States. Yeah, right. That's 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 Rush Limbaugh. That's my impression. Rush Limbaugh. I just just for the record, I just got back to Ohio as well. Oh, so that's a very fitting song. Wow, oh, that's we have a themed show. Is that what that is? Yeah. Well, speaking of, planned it all out. Okay, so let me ask you, Jeff and Moody, what do an ancient riverbed, Elliot Ness, and at least twelve headless torsos have in common? Um, I actually know the answer, but I can't tell you. They're all involved in tonight's episode. Oh, yeah. We're going to get uh, really dark and deep here. And uh, we are diving into our first real foray into true crime. Yes, we've touched on a couple different things here and there, like Manson and then the murders on Halloween and stuff like that. But this is our first actual case here. So what you're saying is this is a great one to get all the kids in front of the, the Bluetooth speaker or wherever you're listening. Right. And I don't know, crank it up really loud so the neighbors here. Uh, yes, that's absolutely. I'm talking what little I'm children, right? Yes, it's yeah. perfect for them. It's a it's a learning experience. Absolutely, it's perfect for them. Absolutely. So, we are we're going to discuss one of the nation's craziest unsolved serial murder cases ever. And the best part is it takes place it takes place right here in Cleveland, Ohio. Tonight we discuss the Kingsbury Run torso slings, or better known as the Cleveland torso murders. And this is something I've actually been wanting to do for a while. So I'm so, very excited about this. I've heard a lot about this. Okay. But I don't know anything about it. So I'm actually interested. <laughs> Does that make sense? So you've heard it like mentioned? I've heard people talk about it a lot, a lot of times. I've heard a lot about it, but, but I don't know I don't, shit. Yeah. But I don't know like anything yeah. about it really. This is like going up to someone and be like, man, I've heard so much about you. I know nothing about you. <laughs> like a weatherman. Like, who are you? What are you doing? Yeah. So the Kingsbury Run area of Cleveland, Ohio is <laughs> actually <weatherman>. built... <laughs> It's actually built on an ancient riverbed that once fed into the Cuyahoga River long before it caught on fire, of course. This area is just south of downtown Cleveland and within the area known as the Flats. We're very, very, very familiar with the Flats. It's uh, A lot of it is over, um, it's in a real shitty area. It's still a shitty area, too. Yeah, it's still a shitty area. Because uh, it sure. basically, <clears throat> they talk a lot about over by like Kinsman, East 55th area, the mm-hmm. bridge that goes over 55th, stuff like that. So yeah, not a very, like an all the way over towards like South of the flats, not a very good area. Yeah. So while the first body attributed to the torso killer was found in September, 1934, there are questions as to when the killings actually started as the first mention of a headless body in the run was in the Cleveland leader on November 13th, 1905, the Cleveland leader. 
Apparently, it was a newspaper back then. Wow, it's not the was it the Plain Dealer, or wasn't that one? No, it wasn't the Plain Dealer. It was a Cleveland Leader. The That's Cleveland the name Leader. of the paper. Okay, Cleveland Leader. Cleveland. Also, that just reminds me of what we were talking about. Oh, okay, cool. It was the other the other killings? Oh, that's what. Do we, do we talk about that now or later? Uh, well, actually, some of it fits in here because there were some that uh, later may be attributed to the killer. That oh, that's took what place you're talking about. Yeah, yeah. In like 1924, like, which right. is before the Cleveland ones. Okay, we'll touch base on that. Yeah. So a woman scavenging in the Case Avenue dump for a sellable uh, scrap came across the headless body of a man who was shot in the chest. In early September, Frank Lagasse was walking along the beach near his house, cleaning up the beach and collecting driftwood, and he saw something that didn't really look, you know, didn't look very cool, sticking out of the sand. As he got closer, Lagasse realized what he was seeing. Uh, It was the lower half of a human torso. Severed at the waist, it was still attached to the thighs, but missing its lower legs. Lagasse ran to his friend's house and called the police. It was determined that the body was that of a woman in her mid-30s, about five foot six, and weighing 120 pounds. There was evidence that a chemical was used on the body, and the coroner claimed the killer tried to use something like quicklime to destroy the body, but used slaked lime instead, which accidentally helped preserve the body. What is quicklime? Is that like a cleaner for grout and shit like that? It's like lye. You ever you ever hear of lye? Like you can put like on um, like uh, if something's uh, rotting, you can put lye over top of it, and it helps to keep the, like the smell and oh, stuff down okay. like that. You never, yeah, you never heard of that? no. If you look at my trunk, I have a whole kit with that. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I've got a shovel, rope, uh, or oh, I mean, no, I don't. Don't let your wife listen to this. <laughs> oh, she knows. She it's, knows. Uh, it's calcium oxide, commonly known as quick lime or burnt lime, as a widely used chemical compound, and it is used. It's or, a cleaner, like an industrial cleaner, right? They use it for tons of shit, dude. Um, hold on a second. But yeah, like you ever hear people, people say that all the time though. Like they'll sprinkle bodies with lime, mm-hmm. like to help, mm-hmm. help decompose. It basically like burns. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. It basically like burns the flesh and decomposes the body quicker. Sounds like fun. Yeah. So the body was not waterlogged. So it was determined that the torso was not in the water for that long. No other clues were found, so police began looking through the missing person files for a a woman who uh, may match the description they came up with. Having read the reports of the murder, Joseph Hedjuk, I'm going to say that's his name, um, phoned Cleveland police reporting that he had found human remains along the beach in North Perry, which is about 40 miles east of Cleveland, two weeks earlier. Hedjuk said he'd reported uh, the find to Lake County Deputy Melvin Keener, who determined that the remains were animals, and convinced Hedrick to bury the find on the beach. That seems like great police work. <laughs> yeah, right. If you don't know the difference between yeah. people and animal remains. It doesn't sound like Deputy Keener even went out there. He was like, no, it's it, it's not. No, you're good. I'm going to go back to my donut. No, you're fine. I mean, this, just, this is Cleveland. Yeah. So. Yeah, honestly, they probably just assumed it was like a fucking fish or some. Because over by my where my wife's mom lives. Like they have random bones and shit on the beach all the time from like fish and just like animals and whatever. Really? So they probably just assumed that it was something random. Well, Cleveland police are severely underpaid to begin with. Well, like this, wasn't, I, I, this wasn't Cleveland though either. This was way out east. This was Lake County that mm-hmm. this is going. Oh, okay. So, so even more like. Yeah. <laughs> Especially back then. Yeah. So on September 7th, extensive digging unearthed Hedgick's find. Part of a shoulder blade, a partial spinal column, and 16 vertebrae. All these pieces uh, pieces match the torso found by Lagasse and showed similar exposure to lime-based chemical preservatives. 
All right. So they're finding different pieces to one puzzle. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. <laughs> the next day, two brothers digging in the sand near the first torso discovery found a compatible collarbone and shoulder blade. 75 days of sensational headlines, tons of worthless. Uh, worthless? That was my, 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 <laughs> that's worthless. You know what worthless is? <laughs> worthless leads include chewing tobacco on the show. That, that's worthless. <laughs> The worthless leads and clues and tons of conjecture. The nameless torso dubbed Lady of the Lake residentially disappeared from the headlines. Her remains were buried in the Potter's Field section of Highland Park Cemetery on September 11th, and Clevelanders seemingly just moved right on from the grisly discovery. And we've still yet to even hear of Kingsbury Run yet. So she's the one that they 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 assume that she was the first. Right. right. And there's there's actually still people that aren't quite sure right which is kind of weird to me because if you look at what they found and how they found the remains it pretty much sits with all the other stuff so and especially when you when we start going through some of these other kate uh, murders and stuff like that that, that they found the torsos and stuff yeah. it all sounds very so, similar so the reason like we were saying the reason that they said that um <clears throat> she's the first one and they're not sure and it could have started then and like the timelines are kind of weird is because like I was telling you earlier in the, in certain time frames, like in the twenties, even they were finding bodies in Pennsylvania, not that far, you know, Pittsburgh's what, two hours from Cleveland. Right. So they were finding, they found bodies. They found at least six headless bodies that had similar MOs to what was going on in Cleveland later on. But these were happening in the twenties up through like the mid thirties. Right. So, so it could have been happening that could those, those could be attributed to him, but people are like they don't really consider that part of the slaying. Right, which is but they're odd. not sure. Right. Yeah. So September uh, September September twenty third, nineteen thirty five. Hold on a second. All right, there. Nineteen thirty five brings us the story of sixteen year old James Wagner and twelve year old Peter Costumes. The two boys played the, that day among the waste and rubble of Kingsbury Run near East Forty Ninth and Praha Avenue. Obviously, great parents. Kingsbury Run was a neglected area that was full of weeds, trash, and debris left by drifters and homeless people that dwelt in the area. Around five, uh, around five, what? <laughs> oh, the Moody's back. What does it say? <laughs> around 5 p.m. Around five, it doesn't say p.m., it says O-N. <laughs> around five. <laughs> That's autocorrect right there. Around 5 p.m., the boys decided to have a race down a 60-foot um, uh, 60 foot hill known as Jack's, uh, Jackass Hill. It's just funny. Um, James got to the bottom first. He asked something strange um, or saw something strange in the brush. And a minute later, he was running back up the hill telling P- Peter that there was, quote, a dead man with no head down there. All right. So these boys found another body. Can you imagine that, dude? Just like your head. No, I mean, God, running down a hill, first of all, takes a lot of stamina. Then getting back up, running quickly, up a 60 foot, 60 hill, foot. Like, that's no joke. And just being like, I mean, the kid, forget, the kid that's the like body. on his, the kid that's like on his way down though, and like your buddy just starts hauling ass back up the hill. Like, no, you do not want to go down there. First and foremost, if one of you guys, if we were to say at a park and you ran down a hill, and all of a sudden you ran up the hill, I'm not waiting for your fucking ass. I'm gone because something's Especially wrong. Especially if yeah. you saw me running back up a hill. <laughs> although, although I will say this, running through the brush these fast past few days, I think I'm getting my stamina back. Nice. Yeah, man. That's good. That's good nice. for you. Yeah. Well, they ran to find an adult and call the police as they should. When police arrived, they found the headless, emasculated corpse of a young white male. 
The uh, corpse was nude except for black socks. While searching the area, oh, <laughs> while searching the area, detectives soon found another corpse about 30 feet away. It was the headless and emasculated torso of an older man that had a strange orange reddish tinge. And unlike the first corpse, which was relatively fresh, this one was badly decomposed. You know what emasculated means, right? Correct. They chopped off his wang. All right. And in fact, in more descriptive stuff, they it gets it, yeah they they yeah it's bad. <laughs> they do all kinds of bad stuff. Yeah, whoever yeah. this person is. So they searched the area for more clues and found the se- severed genitals of both corpses and actually found the head of the first torso. Their first uh, corpse was eventually identified by fingerprints as Edward uh, Adrasi. I'll say that's his last name or Adrasi, whatever. This, well, not whatever. I, mean, like, yeah, I didn't mean to say it like <laughs> that. that guy. Yeah, I didn't mean to say it like that. Oh, shit. Sorry for the family listing. Yeah. One of, <laughs> Sorry, Mr. Adrassi. Mind you, that's one of only two of the victims that were identified. Right. So the second body has no fingerprints and was never identified. The reddish huge um, uh, hue suggested that the body was exposed to some sort of <laughs> preservative similar to the first body found a year earlier, but that was not something investigators put together. Andrasi, um, Andrasi, sorry, was well known to police as, this is amazing, by the way, <laughs> quote, a drunkard, marijuana user, pornography peddler, gambler, pimp, bellicose ballroom brawler, bunko artist, and all around snotty punk, end quote. Sounds like a good time. <laughs> God, I like to hang out with amazing. that guy do a couple that, shots, you know? What if that's like on his headstone? You know what I mean? <laughs> that would be sweet. He's an overall snotty punk. Well, he ran into uh, he ran in some <laughs> tough circles here and uh, around many undesirables, which meant there were uh, possibly many people who had the motive to want to kill him. This includes a man who supposedly visited Andrasi's house when he was away and told his parents that he would kill Andrasi if he didn't stop paying attention to the man's wife. <laughs> oh boy! Woo! <laughs> what, would your, what would your parents think it's, if uh, if someone showed up to your house when you were gone and was like, "Your son better not fuck around my wife anymore. I'm gonna kill him." <laughs> my dad be like, "You damn right, you kick his ass." <laughs> you want me to call him when he gets back? Right, exactly. I'll hold him down. So detectives drew the measure um, and implications from the clues and bodies. First, the victims knew each other, and the body of the unidentified victim was held until the bodies could be dumped together. Second, got what I'm saying there? Did you catch that? Mm-hmm. Okay. Second, the bodies were drained of blood and washed before being dumped. There was no other explanation for the complete absence of blood around the bodies at the scene. Three, a part, uh, some motor oil found at the scene was most likely there to burn the bodies. The oil had traces of blood and hair in it. Also, they suggest that the careful placement of the body suggests that the bodies were not dumped hastily, but placed carefully and purposefully. Some suggest uh, that the castration was some sort of criminal ritual, like a mafia gesture. But I don't know. I don't think that the mafia. I don't think they were. Call, I don't think they were calling it like saying that the mafia did it. But it's they're saying that it's similar to like how the mafia has like their calling cards, like how they do shit. So listen, the necktie. Yeah, this motherfucker's been going out here messing with my wife. <laughs> I want you to cut off his fucking balls. Um, but you- boss, uh, we don't do that. <laughs> You do now. (laughs) So beyond this, uh, the police had nothing, and soon Clevelanders began to forget about this horrific crime. We we forget about tragedies really (laughs) quick. Oh, they do, man. It's it's crazy. So one last thing about this crime. Because we're so fucking used to it. Well, that and then they just, they're not putting anything together yet. Things aren't being pieced together. It doesn't sound like there's something. And that was a year, that was a year, almost exactly a year after the first body was found on the lake. 
But clearly this guy is trying to leave like some sort of symbol while he's doing this, you know? He's yeah, going through all the effort they to drain figured, the blood, to clean the body. Also, that right there, though, the uh, the absence of blood, like the fact that it was like washed and drained and everything like that, that comes into play later, too. Something to remember. And uh, wasn't this also uh, <clears throat> Great Depression era, right? This was like mid-30s. Yeah. So, like, you know, shit sucked for everybody. So Not anyway. for the one guy who partied. Yeah, that guy was having a good time. <laughs> yeah. Andrew the best Andressi, he was having a good time. Yeah, he was having a good time yeah. until he fucking, fucking snotty, died. Snotty punk. Yeah, fucking He's like, depression <laughs> So one last thing about this crime. Detective Orly May uttered something to his partner that would end up being somewhat prophetic. He told his partner, quote, I've got a bad feeling about this one. Who's he, Han Solo? <laughs> I picture that, dude. I've got I picture a bad feeling about this. You know what I picture? I picture like the beginning of uh, was it CSI Miami? He just takes <laughs> his sunglasses in. off. Yeah, got a bad feeling about this one. Yeah. <laughs> so nineteen thirty six rolls around and we find Elliot Ness. That yes, that Elliot Ness, fresh off of his celebrated fight against the Capone Crime Syndicate. He was the newly appointed director of public safety in Cleveland. And on the night of January 25th into the morning of the 26th, several dogs were raising the alarm around the Hart Manufacturing Company. At one point, a resident decided to do something about one of the barking dogs. Uh oh. And she entered an alert um, where the dog. Uh, Allie. An alley. <laughs> Dude, I. T- Whatever, man. I gotta have time to. <laughs> anyway, an alley where the dog was, she found the dogs. Um, uh, staring or straining at their leashes, trying to get a, to a bushel basket that was laying against the back wall of the building. The resident looked into the um, uh, looked into it, walked back out, and found a local butcher named Charles Page, and told him there were some hams, <laughs> her pretty little head, in a basket awesome, in the alley. So she goes I and finds. Idea. I have idea where this is going. She goes and finds this like, butcher. Fucking hams down there, yeah. man. <laughs> hey, excuse me, Charles. <laughs> Oh, Charles, I found some hams in a basket. <laughs> so um, Paige, um, the butcher here, uh, went to investigate, believing this may be evidence that a butcher shop may have been robbed in the area. Okay. What he found was something completely different. He found body parts in the basket. More specifically, an arm, two thighs, and the lower half of a female torso. It was definitely not a honey-baked ham. It was not a honey-baked ham. Which I, I was hoping that that's what it was going to be, and they were going to eat it and be happy, but we're not going that's that way. That's not that. Not, sorry, not this show, buddy. We're not going that way. <laughs> if you think it's a honey-baked ham, you're wrong. There's there's no ham. Which, I love honey-baked ham. I know, right? Oh, my God. It's the best. Yeah, it's good. I didn't know. I just found this out, and this was total side note. I don't give a shit. Um, <laughs> so Total side note. You, did you know you can go to honey-baked and actually get it pre-sliced? So instead of buying oh, a yeah. whole ham, you can get like yeah, packaged yeah, yeah. one pound? No, I didn't fucking know that. Now that I do, that's going there constantly. It's a little expensive, but man, yeah. it's totally worth it it's if you good. don't got to do nothing to it. Man, it's so good. So the get your ham. Is it fucked up that we're sitting here talking about ham and actually eating when we're discussing two thighs, an arm, and the lower half of a female no, torso? No, God, please no. <laughs> so the body parts bite evidence of uh, co- bite evidence. Oh man, what's that one there, Moody? Oh, poetic. Let me look at it real quick. Whatever, dude. Fuck off. You try doing this shit on the lamb. <laughs> so they had evidence of coal dust and coal lump imprints. I think it's supposed to be boar. Boar evidence. Boar. Okay, I could just boar. see, like, you know, like it pans over, like, a forest, you know, and, and it's all, you see the moonlight and there's, it's dark and you see this little light, this little tiny light coming from, a, like, a bush and there's Moody and he's hunched over with his phone typing the notes in the middle of the forest. <laughs> 
Dude, dude, half those flip phones I couldn't even get doc, Google Docs on anyways. You're lucky you get anything. Of the burners? Yeah, yeah, dude. They're all flip phones and shit. Oh, that probably did suck. Okay, we'll give you a pass on that. So yeah, the body parts did have evidence of coal dust and coal lump imprints. They also found a burlap sack nearby with a pair of cotton underwear wrapped in newspaper in it. Also, another sack was found nearby containing chicken feathers. The body was identified after an expert named George uh, Kosel. Say it's Kosel, right? Sure. All right. Look through more than 10,000 possible matching fingerprints to finally find a match to Florence Polillo. She had been married at least twice and was divorced from her second husband, Andrew Polillo, in the late 20s. As with our last victims, Miss Polillo was no stranger to police. According to police, she figured in a number of bar- she was in a bunch of barroom brawls, <laughs> tough bra, dude, and vice activities. That's right. She was arrested for soliciting in 1930 and occupying tons of immoral purpose in 1931. All right, that's I'm another. Gonna... F- hold on, that's fucked up. It's occupying rooms for immoral, immoral purposes. <sighs> like basically renting hotel rooms to bang people. I'm gonna call it right now. She's hot. This is a cop. She's, she is not at all. <laughs> if you yeah. read the descriptions of this oh, we're lady, get there. We're I don't know there. if it, I don't know if I put the description in here. She is one hard nosed thirties depression broad. Maybe that's hot. No, maybe. No, she was short and pudgy, <laughs> if I remember correctly. Somebody likes that. She had like, <laughs> they said she had like gray, like stringy hair and shit. Like she was not. A, no, no, no. <laughs> Talking about my mom. That's what it sounds like over here. Calm down. <laughs> so what are you going to say, Jeff? This is a cop doing this. The murders. Oh, well, let's keep going and see. Remember, this is completely unsolved. So, But they do Don't have say. suspects. Jeff, Jeff just solved it, though. Yep. <laughs> All right, <Yeah>! fuck it. <laughs> All right, I'm out. I'll see you guys. Episode over. We figured it out. So anyway, she was she was a rough bra that, you know, whatever. She was also arrested for prostitution in Washington, D.C. in 1934 and again in Cleveland in 1935. <laughs> and for illegally selling intoxicating beverages. Oh, that bitch. Yeah. <laughs> what a horrible person. She'd been reportedly going downhill <laughs> fast in the time leading up to her death. The police found that she had uh, many acquaintances, but no one really knew her. Sounds they- like Jeff. <laughs> Heard a lot about it. Don't really know. That's right. <laughs> they looked for a man she lived with when she moved back to, uh, from D.C. who reportedly beat her. Well, that's kind of an asshole. This was it Ike Turner? <laughs> Wait till you hear some of the guys she palled around with. Yeah. Though. You're going to love oh, it, Jeff. Boy. They also had reports she was in a barroom brawl with a black man in the night of her uh, her death. They sought uh, men locked to her with amazing names such as Captain Swing <laughs> and One-Armed Willie. <laughs> but nothing came of these queries. Oh, dude, that's amazing. <laughs> nothing came of these queries. <laughs> Oi, I'm Captain Swing. <laughs> What are you doing in my bar? <laughs> oh, I have one arm, Willie. Get out of my way. <laughs> so the police, the police determined the body was uh, placed where it was found at around 2.30 a.m., which is uh, when all the dogs were heard barking. Police surmised that a very sharp knife in the hands of an amateur was used. A couple weeks later, on February 7th, the rest of Mrs. Palillo's rel- uh, relative were found. <laughs> Remains. You know, same thing. Dude. <laughs> All right. No, hold on. You know what? I I want John to write the next episode oh, in some fucking shrubbery oh, well, on see, a burner phone in the <laughs> yeah. middle of the night. I, that's like, what I want. Like and see how good it fucking turns out. So it's out. gonna be one of those. You gotta things, do it huh? in the in the in a God. in a where the, the deer stand up in the trees. With with like, fucking with dogs barking in the distance, yeah. knowing that they're about to chew your ass off. 
That's yeah. what I want you to do and see how it turns out. I'm going to pass on that. All right. <laughs> but you know what? He would do text to speech. So he would just talk yeah, to it. Right. It would be perfect. <laughs> it would still be fucked up. He can't talk. It'd be worse than what I write. <laughs> so they found the other remains, but uh, unfortunately uh, without a head. So detectives were quick to mention there was no connection between this and the Andres' killings. Because there was nothing right. with the torso? It, it, yeah. I don't so know. It was well, just the head? Yeah. I mean, and I don't think... At this point, I don't think wanted there to be any connection. I think it was like, we're just going to pretend like this isn't connected because we don't need a bunch of people freaking the fuck out because there's a serial killer cutting fucking heads off of people. And there also ah. there, there's also no, um, I guess, 100% definitive consistency with the killings. Which Aside would, from missing heads. Right. Other than that. Okay, right. but so I mean, lime stuff wasn't on all of it them. It wasn't on all of and them. The torso and, thing wasn't on all right, of them. Right, and like the other ones, they, was, they were supposed to be burned with oil, and this one was like in a basket. So they're probably, I'm sure someone was piecing it together somewhere, but they right. just didn't want to come out and be like. I feel like there was enough people that were like, maybe these are, and they're like, no, 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 no. We're not going to go there yet. This yeah. is right. Well, especially know. if Elliot Ness is in there, he's probably like, nope, nope, nope. He hasn't said shit about it yet. Right. So we're going to run through um, the rest of the victims here somewhat quickly, just for the sake of time. Okay. I hope they have sweet names. Well, on June uh, 1936, early one morning in Kingsbury Run, two young boys discovered the head of a white male wrapped in a pair of trousers close to East, uh, the East 55th Street Bridge, which oh is fucked up. In the ghetto. Yeah. <laughs> police found the body of the 20-some-year-old man the next day dumped in front of the Nickel Plate Railroad Police Building, clean and drained of blood. The corpse was intact except for the head. Uh, Pierce again uh, determined the death had been caused by decapitation. In spite of a fresh set of fingerprints and the presence of six distinctive tattoos on various parts of the body, police were never able to identify the victim. Now, I don't know. We probably might touch on this a little bit, too. You got to remember, this was the time when Cleveland had a lot of just um, ramblers coming through town. I was going to say, this area was known, like that area it's was, like, I guess, pot. known for drifters because all this stuff... It was stuff, just drifters A everywhere. lot of these happened yeah. by rail yards, too. Right. People hopping off, on and off of trains. Like, there was, like, uh, hobo camps all over that area, everywhere. too. So, they, uh, they, In fact, wasn't there, like, a place called Shantytown? Someplace down there that, uh, at this point in time, there was an actual Shantytown? Probably. Because at one point in time, I know that they were trying to, like, go and burn all these Shantytowns down. And, uh, oh, Elliot, we'll, uh, we'll touch on that, actually. Yeah. So, we'll, okay, good. We'll get to that. So, yeah, it, it was a fucked up time. So uh, there was no evidence of drugs or alcohol in his system, and the contents of his stomach showed his last meal was baked beans. And judging by the state of uh, digestion, uh, he was killed a day or two before the body was actually found. Okay? Okay. Got that. So, of course, you know, all those guys did back then was eat baked beans, you know, right? And ham. Baked beans and farting. <laughs> <laughs> like blazing saddles. Right. So, day after, uh, um, uh, the, the day after three... Um, Wait, what? The day after three torso. <laughs> what? The day after the torso was found. The day after the torso was found. Fuck. The head was um, um, put. Uh, put on display. <laughs> I'll just read along with you. Folks, this is what happens when Moody is out in the freaking brush. You got to give him a fucking chance here. God. Anyway, on display, <laughs> the county morgue, uh, they put it on uh, display in the county morgue in hopes that someone could actually identify him. A plaster reproduction of the man's head, along with a diagram of the of the um, the kind and location of the tattoos, were made. Yeah, I was just saying, I didn't yeah, fuck yeah, that yeah. one up. That's you. <laughs> they were made to display at the Great Lakes Exposition of 1936. So they actually put this guy's mask on. 
That's amazing. Yeah, the death mask. It's, yeah. And, and so people could see what he looked like. Right. So one more than 100,000 people saw the death mask that they made this guy and tattoo chart. The tattooed man was never identified. The original death mask, and this is actually pretty fucking cool for all you people out there, along with three others from the case, are actually on display at the Cleveland Police Museum. There's a Cleveland Police Museum? There is, in That's fact. exactly what we were just talking about. Yeah. Like, nobody knows about Most that. Most people don't know that there's Where actually... Where the hell is that at? Um, in New York? It's- <laughs> <laughs> Where's my... <laughs> Hold on, I got... Wait. There it is. So, yeah, uh, I'm not 100% positive where it is, but this is actually still on display there. And they have a whole torso thing there that you can go check out. Yeah, it's pretty awesome. Yeah, yeah. This will be the murder that would spark the legend of the Cleason, Cleason, (laughs) the Liam Cleason, the Cleveland torso murders and the uh, the hobby for the Mad Butcher of Kingsbury run here. So police and experts still differed on opinions on the case, including whether the first body was part of this whole messed up shit. And some even doubted whether Palilo was part of it. So they're going back and forth and they're not sure. You know what I mean? As parents uh, began telling their children to stay away from the run, city editors started giving serious thought to a Cleveland's own Jack the fucking Ripper. Yeah, man. This, so this was the one where people were starting to be like, wait a minute. Like this shit is yeah. too coincidental. Too many to bodies have, yeah. and too short of a time. I was just saying, because they're starting to get closer together. They're not, it's not a year between murders. And now they've all had... You know, everyone's heads are cut off and like all this shit, crazy shit's going on. Do you think it's a cop at this point? Do you think it's a copycat killer? Like, you know how we discussed that? We'll talk about that later. Oh, yeah. We got we got some shit. Man, everything I bring up is <laughs> talk about later. <laughs> so shut the fuck up. All right. So July 1936, a teenage girl came across the, the uh, decapitated remains of a 40 year old white male while walking through the woods near Clinton Road and Big Creek on the near west side. The victim had been dead about two months, and his head, as well as a pile of bloody clothing, was found nearby. Judging by the enormous quantity of blood that had seeped into the ground, this man had apparently been killed where his body was found. Remember, before they said that the bodies were drained and right. then brought in. Right. So, which again could lead them to believe that this has nothing to do with those other things. But then, you know what I mean? But whatever. So, he had no distinguishing marks, although authorities didn't know it yet. This would be the only torso. Um, to turn up on the west side of Cleveland, right? The rest of them are all like... Yeah, they're all east side, side, the the Kingsbury Run area, like right in that area. Right. Judging by the clothes and and, uh, other clues, police determined the victim to be a resident at a hobo camp in the Big Creek Woods not far from the crime scene. Oddly enough, Elliot Ness, still basking in the headlines uh, he made for fighting police corruption and organized uh, crime, he remained silent. He hasn't said a fucking word yet. So September 1936, a transient trips over the uh, upper half of a man's torso while trying to hop this on a train. Picture of this shit in my head. When I was reading this, dude, I started dying. At East 37th Street in Kingsbury Run. Can you can you imagine? Hold the trout shit. <laughs> Just, what the fuck? Oh, my God. Just like trying to catch a fucking hop a train and you trip over a fucking torso. Yeah. So police searched a nearby pool, um, which uh, was nothing more than a big open sewer and found the lower half of the torso and parts of both legs. Police sent a diver in. Think about that. 
Yeah, it was pretty. Like I saw, there's pictures of them like dredging that. Yeah, it's fucking gross. Looking. Oh, there was a ton of people. Yeah, that showed up for it. Um, I'm looking at some of these pictures now. And it's it's there, dude. It's you pretty can, graphic. There's, there's pictures of the torsos and the bodies yeah. and the heads and shit. It's yeah, it's a mask that you were talking about earlier. Yeah. Yeah. There's a picture. Can we just focus on the fact real fast though that um it, it, they said it was nothing but a big open sewer and they sent someone in to dive in there. Yeah, it's fucking. If you look at the like, I don't. Yeah, it's gross, dude. I think it was like a. <laughs> I feel like it was like mostly like a like a catch basin type thing, that's just like right. stagnant water and shit, just because it's there to catch fucking runoff and yeah, stuff. Yeah, it's pretty gross. But there's like pictures of them, and they have like, there's like a ladder spread out over it, and there's like dudes crawling on it. And they yeah, got, yeah, it's fucking. Nasty. Yeah, you guys can find the uh, the the pictures all over the place. It's pretty awesome. If you actually go, I we talk about it later. If you go to the Cleveland Police Museum, their website. They have a bunch of cool shit about it, and they have a ton of awesome pictures on there. All right, we'll make sure we have a link in the notes here so people yeah. can check it yeah, out. Yeah, yeah, perfect. So the number of onlookers that turned out to watch the grim spectacle was estimated at over 600, and the killer may have actually been there in the crowd watching on. Wow. Admiring his work. Yeah. They say that people do that. They come back to the crime scene. Right. Yeah. So victim number six was in his late 20s, and the cause of death yet again was... What do you think? Mm, he tripped and fell. Nope. No. Jeff. Uh, hmm. Decapitation. Ah. So corner. Here's what I don't get. Uh oh. So far. Here's Jeff trying to so add far. logic to it real quick. Yeah, yeah. So far, we've had the torsos in the beginning, but now it's all heads. Well, it's still technically a torso at this point because there's no head, so it's just the torso. Right. They're not saying they found the head. Okay, so I, I see it that way then, I guess. Yeah, that the, makes sense. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So and, I'm and, trying to think, like, and, why and is it I'm pretty sure in all of these, like, and even in this one, it says, yeah, lower half of the torso. So right. they're saying they, like, they cut them, like, right here. Right, he was, like, sawed in yeah, half. Yeah, and they find body parts and torsos, like... Dude, the picture of the detective undercover is pretty fucking amazing. It with the like fucking... A, with the like fucking Halloween bin, costume. Dude, with, like, the bindle the and shit. <laughs> It looks like a costume you get at, like, Spirit. (laughs) So Coroner Pierce noted that the lack of hesitation marks in the the disarticulation of the body indicated a strong, confident killer, very familiar with the human anatomy. Now, remember earlier they said somebody used a a knife but didn't really know what they were were doing. A sharp knife in an amateur's hand. In an amateur's hand, right. So now they're saying it's a confident killer, very familiar with the human anatomy. The head had been cut off with one bold, clean stroke. Yeah, there you go. That's one of the pictures. Yeah, yeah. it's pretty graphic, man. He's missing his balls. Yeah. So, imagine, man, like you're playing like the Lone Ranger back then. That's the one that the two kids doing. running down the hill. That's found. what I'm saying. Yeah. <laughs> imagine you're just like, you're like, hey, who's still What the fuck? <laughs> 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 you know what I mean? <laughs> well, um, so again... This this head uh, this time the decapitation happened in one clean stroke swoop just Ooh. just so that's machete so it's not you gotta sharp have, and that's gotta be a strong fucking blade yeah. and a sharp fucking well, absolutely and you gotta be a strong per dude you know how hard it is to get through a fucking not that I would know how hard it is to get through a fucking spine <laughs> actually <laughs> I'm just saying dude if you get enough momentum going with a sharp like machete like the, the terrorists did it not too long ago when they were beheading people. Oh, I'm not. God. No, that's what I'm saying. I've seen but the you ones have to have a saw the guy's head off, but, but you I've have seen the to ones have where they clean, whoosh, like right? A but that thing's got to be a strong blade and sharp as fuck. And whoever's swinging it's got to be really good at what they're doing. Yeah, and you got to hit it at the right spot too. Like, oh. 
You know? Okay. I mean, why are you watching? Anyway, so the hey, we said we were gonna get crazy yeah, on this episode. Yeah. So I well, hope the kids are listening. Yeah. <laughs> Surfing your Mercedes. Well, luckily for <laughs> luckily for this victim, he he died instantly. So identification. <laughs> I would hope so. Yeah. <laughs> well, unfortunately, some <laughs> of the other ones it doesn't <laughs> look like. What the fuck? <laughs> Did like chicken with the head yeah. cut off running around? Well, some of the other ones probably didn't die so eloquently. <laughs> yeah. You know. So um. Uh, identification was never made on this guy and six brutal killings in one year and the police had ne- neither clues nor suspects. The Cleveland Press, the Cleveland News, and the Cleveland Plain Dealer all reported almost daily on the killings and the lack of suspects. So, T- real quick, sorry. Yeah. While we're doing this, I just, since you mentioned the newspapers, I read a little uh, little anecdote about the newspapers and in the one killing where they found uh, the hams, the hams in the basket, <laughs> that killing, they, uh, a lot of the body parts were wrapped in newspapers and the newspapers were actually fighting over whose newspaper the parts were wrapped up in just so they could get their names. Like, no, no, it was our newspaper. They were, oh, yeah, that yeah, edition was see. ours from like, yeah, they, the newspapers were actually like fighting over whose, whose paper it was. Yeah. I was that like, is, that's fucked up. Man. <laughs> like, that is fucked up. So tension was high, but who was the mad butcher of Kingsbury run? So, giving into mounting pressure from Mayor Harold Burton. Mounting. And uh, he's a. Did you see your dog bark? Yeah, I did. Are they. Oh, shit. Are you okay? No, I mean, no, no, do no, we no, need no, to no. check? Should we? Hold on. Let's keep listening. No, you're here. Footsteps. Wait, wait, wait. Shh, shh. Someone here? It's probably just my. footsteps. Just my wife. Oh, shit. You heard that? Oh, I that that sounded like something hit the floor. I do hear footsteps. Is she okay up there? Did I don't know. Folks, we'll be right back. Hold on. Dude, I don't know. He literally took off. There's no, I, there's I nothing up there. So there's nothing. So listeners, we just took those, a quick break because we were hearing wife. footsteps and dog barking. We go upstairs, the three of us. There's nothing there. And Moody just clearly take, he just takes off. He just running. dipped off. Yeah. That was, it's, it's, it was my wife. It wasn't even, it wasn't I, even. What do you think is going on? Uh, he's lost his fucking All right. Mind. Well, hopefully he'll come back. We'll see. I yeah, guess. I All know. right. Anyway. So uh, again, giving into the mounting pressure um, from uh, Harold uh, Burton, the mayor, recently appointed safety director, Elliot, not doing shit Ness, gets more involved in the case. Oh, finally, he's actually doing something. Coroner Pierce calls for what the newspapers dub a, quote, torso clinic, <laughs> which is a meeting of police, the coroner, and other experts to discuss information and to profile someone who could be responsible for uh, these gruesome killings. And oh, there he is. Oh, shit. Dude, where'd you go? <sighs> Hi. Hey. Uh, hey, how's it going, guys? <laughs> Dude, are you all right? Where did, you, where did you go? There was nobody what up there. What do you mean? There. I didn't go anywhere. What are you talking about? I was just... <coughs> What you, you just left? No, no, I just had to go to the bathroom. <laughs> that fast, huh? It was. Uh, I saw. It's fine. Just go. It's Man, fine. I Don't worry. I can't it's wait a, to hear. Like, what yeah. the hell is you guys going on? for real? You didn't. You didn't see that though. It, just, it was literally just my wife. All right, let's get I, let's get through this, and then we'll we'll. I, no, yeah, we got we got. No, but for real, you guys didn't see. I didn't see was, anything. Did That's you, cool. No, I just I, I had to I had to go to the bathroom. It's fine. I just I ran outside to go to the bathroom. It's... Okay. I have a there's a bath anyway. All right. So yeah, let's get back to the story. You know. All right. The cops the cops are having a comic con basically. <laughs> Where <laughs> are we at? What are we doing? <laughs> it's the torso clinic we're talking about. Oh, the now. torso yeah, clinic. Right, yeah, right. Yeah. So That's the police department put detectives Peter uh, Morello Mar- 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 Tom Morello uh, maybe 
and uh, Martin Zalewski on the case full-time. They move uh, deftly through the seedy underworld and consti that constitutes the run and the roaring third, often dressing the part. Often? Uh, often? <laughs> <sighs> the word is often, people. The word is often, and I said often. Often. It is often. Often. So often on their own time. By the time the case had run its course, the two had interviewed more than 1,500 people. The department as a whole, more than 5,000. This would be the biggest police investigation in Cleveland history. You hear that shit? Cleveland history. Cleveland history. What is vibrating? You hear that? Hello? Are you? Oh, don't. What is that? I might have to go to the bathroom again. Are you, are you being tapped or something? What? I don't. Do you have a bug implanted in you? I don't know. My ear's been fucking bothering me. Hold on a sec. Check. That's so check. weird. Hello? I don't know. That was weird. So anyway, I wonder if they tapped into your lines. I told you my fucking ears been bothering me. I wonder if they did anybody follow you here? I I don't think so. I don't know, dude. I'm telling you, I just I've been on the fucking run for like two days. All that right, so I don't weird. know. All right, let's keep going. Let's keep going. So the November elections return, <sighs> and Harold Burton um, as mayor, but Coroner Pierce is replaced by the young Democrat and now legendary Sam Gerber. Gerber's fierce dedication to medicine, along with his degree in law, put him at the forefront of the investigation. February 1937, a man finds the upper half of a woman's torso watched up on a shore east of Bratnall. You know where Bratnall is, right? Bratnall. That's where all them fancy folk live. That's right. Unlike all previous victims, the cause of death had not been decapitation. Ooh. This had happened after she was already dead. The lower half of the torso washed ashore three months later at about uh, East Thirtieth East Street. East Thirtieth Street. <laughs> East 30th Street. We need a bass drop. So yeah. Oh yeah. Oh, we do need a bass drop. Badass. Yeah, we need a bass drop. <laughs> so the woman was in her mid twenties, <clears throat> and she was also never identified. Never. What's, the, what's with the fucking identify, identification uh, processes back then? Like, well, they it's kind of hard if they, a, they had, a, head. a, they had no head, and B, <laughs> yeah. most of the bodies were so decomposed that they had no fingerprints But how left. come, like, no friends or family have reported missing persons? Because they were mostly hobos and fucking transients, dude. Yeah, transient people that nobody knew or cared that about. Is, which, again, is why I think it's a cop. All right. So, Anyways, <laughs> June 1937, a teenage boy discovered a human skull under the Lorraine Carnegie Bridge. Next to it was a burlap bag containing the skeletal remains of what turned out to be a petite black woman about 40 years old. Dental work allowed for the unofficial identification of one Rose Wallace of Scoville Avenue. Police followed every lead they had on her, and uh, they unfortunately led nowhere. But this is uh, the second one that we actually found a... Uh, a, a technically third. Technically, well, yeah, but it's not an official... See, they said it's, not a, it's an unofficial identification. Right, right. So they don't really know if it's her. They believe it's her. They think it's her. They believe. It's possible that it's her. It's possibly uh, possible. Jesus. Uh, <laughs> are we done? That's a that's twofer. You know, you know what's funny is that people will listen to this about murder and gore and they're fine, but they hear that and they're all wanting to puke down. That's <laughs> so in July 1937, there were labor problems in the flats that summer, and the National Guard had been called in to maintain order. A young guardsman standing uh, watch by the West Third Street Bridge saw the first piece, first piece of victim number nine. <laughs> Love in, how they put that. Yeah. yeah, they found the first piece of them in the wake uh, of a passing tugboat. Over the next few days, police recovered the entire body except for 
you guessed it, the head, from the waters of the Cuyahoga River. The abdomen had been gutted and the heart ripped out, clearly indicating a new element of viciousness in the killer's approach. The victim was in his mid to late 30s, and he was never also identified. What a great time to be middle-aged. Can you imagine, though, like, <clears throat> like these, like, sometime, like, in this day and age, somebody's, like, digging somewhere or doing something, and they just come across, like, 13 fucking heads. Yeah, and it's like, that, that, you know how big of a find that would be, though? You think you think you would just put the dirt back? <laughs> I feel like I would. I feel like if that was me, and Ooh, I, you know, like I'm in my backyard yeah. and I'm digging, and all of a sudden it's like, like, oh, is that a tree root? And then, and then you see the skull. I'd be like, yeah, and put the dirt back. Be like, move to the net, like three feet down, and then dig a new hole. See, and then I, there's another skull there. Yeah, we'll I, just forget about that. I would just put them all in a duffel, a duffel bag, and then just go get my fucking shine box. That's what I would do. Oh, uh, you like that? That's pretty good. Yeah, you like that? I don't do shines anymore. <laughs> so in 19... don't get your sausage box is what you gotta <laughs> That's get. That's right. That's right. So 1938, April of 1938, a young laborer on his way to work in the flats saw what he at first thought was just a dead fish along the banks of the Cuyahoga River. And we all know it's not just a dead fish. Closer inspection revealed it to be the lower half of a woman's leg. Well, you do now. <laughs> The first piece of victim number 10. Among number 10. <laughs> oh, God. Dude, that fucking guy. So I'm just scrolling through like videos and stuff. Oh, I like, thought I was the night. only one that knew that guy. Yeah. Yeah. Fucking voice. So we're scrolling through and I, I'm scrolling through and all of a sudden I was like, I saw something like uh, something about ghosts or murders, something like that. I was like, oh, and all of a sudden you're and in this case. He did. I was like, fuck you. Why? Just flipped it off. I want to know why Watch Mojo hasn't hired him yet. <laughs> They, they do all like the top tens of everything there is in the world on YouTube. Watch Mojo does. They Dude, should totally hire that because kid. they don't want their ratings to drop. Oh my god! Are you guys <laughs> speaking of like weird stuff like that though? Do you guys are you familiar with like the Dark Five thing? Dude, it's, it's called no, it's called Dark Five, and they have like the top five shit. It's fucking phenomenal. That was loud. That was loud. No, but if you guys are into that kind of shit, check out like the Dark Five channel. That's anybody out there. If you guys don't know it, it's fucking amazing. If you like this shit, which I'm surprised if you do, but if you like this shit, you would love that too. Okay. We'll free, free shout out because I think they're fucking amazing. Awesome. Dark five. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Is it a podcast or? No, it's a YouTube channel. Okay, cool. And they do like the top five, whatever. Dark, do they top talk five, like this? No, usually, that's the thing. Either there's no talking and it's just like reading or they have like a, like an Evan type voice talking. You know, there's a science behind that, by the way. Since we're derailing, we're, we're going fucking this way. way off right now. <laughs> I'd like to talk about this real quick. There, right. there, there's supposedly a, a science to. There's no B in that word. Supposed, supposedly. Yeah, there you go. Yeah. <laughs> I that's, call that's what I said. I didn't say supposedly. <laughs> Jesus. I suppose. I'll go anyway, down to the library. <laughs> there's a science behind that. I don't know why, but you ever listen to the Ken, the Ken Ganley Kia girl? Who's on like every fucking commercial on the radio now? No, I don't listen to the radio. She's I'm like, sorry. I want to see you in a Ken Ganley Kia. <laughs> like everything is cadence that she says. Okay. Like, you could lease a new Kia for five ninety nine. Is it supposed to like do something subconsciously? Yeah, or something? it's like a hypnotist thing. Get they the do the same shit with colors, man. Yes. See, you know what I'm talking about. Mm -hmm. There's a whole science behind like 
talking like that. Well, that's then, why when they do like sales, it's always like red tag because yeah. red, like, it, that's why they always do color. Like, colors have shit to do with it too. Well, you know what that means? A month later, police pulled two burlap bags. <laughs> so no, a month later, there you go. <laughs> a month later, police pulled two burlap bags out of the river containing both parts of the torso and most of the rest of both legs. So if you guys are paying attention out there, there's a lot of pieces and parts they're so finding here. Also, if you noticed, lots of burlap bags. Going back to the ham mm-hmm. incident, they found... So they were talking about... Remember how they said they found a bag of feathers? Mm-hmm. I guess the, uh, they tried to trace where these bags were coming from. And uh, they followed a bunch of leads. Like They they uh, they traced them back to like certain places. And then uh, they kind of died at that point. Like They couldn't figure out where they came after that. But like... They were that's like one of the things that they were focusing on was like where these fucking burlap sacks were coming from. It makes sense. And the chicken feather thing was that they traced the bags back to like there was like a chicken feather factory or some shit right there. Was it foghorn leghorn? It could have been. It could have been. I tell you what, boy, I didn't kill them. <laughs> I, what say, I say, I say, <laughs> I tell you, boy, I'm not the torso killer. Mm. <laughs> what's the little guy? What's the little guy he had with him? Oh my the god, the chicken I, hawk or yeah, whatever. Yeah, yeah, I can't remember his name. Oh, you want to fight, dude? Yeah, you want to fight? <laughs> so. For the fr- <laughs> all the all the young audience, what the fuck is he talking Foghorn about? Foghorn Leghorn. That's Looney Tunes, folks. Yeah, that's, that's that's our old also, school. Saturday I'm sure they'll morning. censor all those for you kids. Though. Yeah, they already yeah. did. Remember, they got rid of. Them. We did a whole WTF on it. Like, yeah, yeah. That's stupid. So for the first time, Coroner Gerber detected drugs in the system. Were the drugs used to immobilize the victim, or was she an addict? Mm. The answer might come when they found the arms. Oh. But unfortunately, they never did. <laughs> and she was never identified. As, oh, shocker. Yeah, imagine mm-hmm. that. August 16th, 1938, three scrap collectors foraging in a dump site at East 9th and Lakeside found the torso of a woman wrapped in a man's double-breasted like blue East blazer. East and Lakeside? There was a dump there? It's all of East 9th and Lakeside. Yeah, I'm just trying to like picture that in my head, like right now though, like but, yeah, it's back in 1938. Who knows? I know, but it's just like crazy, like how different, you know what I mean? Like yeah. if they developed oh, everything, like oh yeah. Well, you got to look at uh, what is that they used to call that? Um, Isn't that where the, where the courthouse is and shit over there is like East Ninth and Lakeside? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. It's like down a little farther. Mm-hmm. You got to remember they didn't have bulk pickup on Tuesdays out there. So, <laughs> <laughs> so they found this uh, the body of this woman, the torso, should I say, um, in a double-breasted blue blazer and then wrapped again in an old quilt. What is a double-breasted blue blazer? I know what a blue blazer is, but what's, what is yeah, the double-breasted? Yeah, he used to wrestle. Mean? The blue, blue blazer. blazer was a wrestler. <laughs> <laughs> wasn't that Owen, Owen Hart? It was the Red Rooster was Owen Hart, wasn't it? I think the, I think the blue blazer no, was. No, you guys are thinking of the Red Rocket. <laughs> <laughs> I think Owen Hart. I think he was a... Uh, I think he was the blue blazer. I think he was the blue blazer and the red rooster. No, the red rooster was somebody else. Are you sure? I'm positive. I don't know. We're going to have to look into that. 100% positive the red rooster was somebody else. I have no doubt. No, I, I'm going to say that that was, that was him. I'll put money on it. No, don't put money on it. Just look it up. All right, fine. <laughs> okay, so answer my question. Hmm. What does double-breasted mean? Okay, so double-breasted, is, is, as far as I know, it's the way that the suit jacket is cut. And so, therefore, one side of it goes inside and the other part comes over like this and buttons Okay, so it buttons in here and buttons over, so it looks like it, there's double breasted, if I'm uh, not mistaken. Either that or it's just two real big double Ds hanging out inside of the... <laughs> Red Rooster was Terry Taylor. Ah, Terry Taylor, okay. So anyway, <laughs> God, this, this all, good to have you back, buddy. Yeah. So the, uh, the legs and arms were discovered in a recently constructed makeshift box 
wrapped in brown butcher paper and held together with rubber bands. The head had been mm. similarly wrapped. Um, Gerber noted that some of the parts looked as if they had been refrigerated. While searching for more pieces, the police discovered the remains of a second body only yards away. These two bodies had been placed in a location that this was in awesome. plain view from Elliot Ness's office window. Oh, he's taunting them now. They, Fuck yeah, dude. Yeah. He was literally, they were like, hey, look what I did, buddy. Again, a cop. He would know where his window is. Yeah. <laughs> dude, I solved this. I'm telling you right now, at the end, we're going to get to it, and it's going to be a cop, and I'm going to be like, see, I told well, you. Well, you know what's that. fucked up? What? Uh, both of these victims were never identified. Of course not. Yeah. Correct. They were not. Right. So August 18th, 1938, at 1240 a.m., Elliot Ness and a group of 35 police officers and detectives raid the hobo jungles of the run. This is what I was talking about. about. Hobo jungles. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) So it's just a big, just shanty, shanty town. (laughs) Welcome to the jungle. They're like, okay, wait, we have one shot at this. (laughs) They take a can of soup and they're like, and they roll it down the thing. Go! (laughs) They start running. All the hobos are like, <laughs> out of the garbage bags moving shit. But wait a minute. How do, how do we get in there? Well, send Detective What's-His-Nuts in there. He looks like a hobo, right? <laughs> He's got the perfect get up, he, looks, he looks perfect. Why say go on in there? Haven't you seen his undercover outfit? It's, yeah. It's stunning. Never side, fellas. See, I have, the, I have the perfect uniform, see? Wipe some poop on him. His doesn't smell bad enough. Anyway. <laughs> So uh, anyway, please post that picture of that Jim, guy. please, just shit your pants once. That's all we ask. <laughs> so 11 squad cars, two police fades, and three fire trucks descend on the largest cluster of makeshift shacks. Oh, that's a lot different than a can of soup. Yeah, where the Cuyahoga River twists behind Public Square. Uh, and if you guys know where Public Square is now, That's what I'm saying. Like, yeah, think totally about different, that. Totally different. Like, yeah. yeah, that's like crazy. Like, that think used about to be where that down. is, yeah, dude. This is before money. <laughs> When was money invented, Jeff? <laughs> the 80s. <laughs> so Ness's Raiders... For Ness's Raiders worked their way south through the run, eventually gathering up 63 men. At dawn, police and firemen searched the deserted shanties for clues. Then on orders from safety director Ness, the shacks were, you ready? Set on fire and burned to the ground. Ooh. A, it probably didn't burn that long. Right, and yeah. B, imagine the smell. Mm. Yeah. Mm. <laughs> a giant shanty town burned to the ground. Right. So obviously the press thought less of Ness for this. The press thought less of Ness for this. You like that? I didn't fuck that up. It's a new Jay-Z song. <laughs> Kids, that's what we call alliteration. <laughs> the press. There you go. Sell it. <laughs> Can't do it now. So I don't want to see you in a Ken Ganley Kia. <laughs> So they, they, the press basically just said it was fucked up that he did this, and the public was afraid and frustrated. Critics said the raid would do nothing to solve the murders, and they were right, but for whatever reason, they did stop. So July 1939, County Sheriff Martin O'Donnell arrested 52-year-old bohemian bricklayer Frank Dolezal for the murder of Flo Palilo. Remember we talked yeah. about Flo, Flo Palilo earlier? Yes. Dolezal had lived with her for a while, and... She was the one that was in bar brawls, by the way. And she was the one that was being beaten by her... By one-armed Willie, I think it was, or uh, Captain Swing, maybe? Captain Swing. Yeah, that was that one. So anyway, the uh, subsequent investigation revealed he had been acquainted with Edward Andrasi and Rose Wallace. So he actually knows all of these people. Not all of, but a few of these victims here. His confession turned out to be a bewildering blend of incoherent ramblings and neat, precise details, almost as if he had been coached. Oh, imagine mm. that. Mm. 
Before he could go to trial, Dolezal was found dead in his cell. Ooh. Now, this is this is kind of fucked up because I I know this story pretty well. So it's well. like Epstein. Um, kind of. Did this guy have any dirt on the Clintons? <laughs> Do we know? Yeah. Is that something that... I, I don't think we have any proof. You know what? I don't have proof that he didn't. Boom. Uh-huh. Boom. So check this out, Jeff. The five foot eight Dolezal had actually hung himself from a hook only five feet, seven inches off the floor. That's impressive. Yeah, so Gerber's autopsy revealed six broken ribs, all of which had been attained while in the sheriff's custody. Mm-hmm. To this day, no one thinks Frank Dolezal was the torso killer. And uh, the question is, uh, what, what does this say? Why did she- oh, why did the sheriff? The sheriff apparently thought that it was this Dolezal guy. So l- let's put this all into um, relation or you know context here. He was in the sheriff's uh, custody. They found him hanging from something that was shorter than he actually was with broken ribs. Yep. Which, by all accounts, his friends and family said he did not have broken ribs when he went in. And he later, before he died, before this happened, he recanted his statements and said that he was coerced and basically forced to confess uh, and was beaten until he would agree to confess. Right. Which the broken ribs would is something that would possibly back that up. So, you're telling me it was the cop. (laughs) Jesus. I wish I I had my glasses on so I could, like, take them off. (laughs) So, other suspects here, all right? (laughs) Most investigators consider the last canonical murder to have been in 1938. One suspected individual was Dr. Francis E. Sweeney, born May 5th, 1894. That's a day before my birthday. Oh, man. Dude, you were born in 1894? Absolutely. <laughs> Holy shit. Yeah, I'm a Highlander. You look fucking good, dude. <laughs> I'm a Highlander. <laughs> so Sweeney was a veteran of World War One, who was part of a medical unit that, that conduct, uh, conducted amputations in the field. Uh-huh. So he, he was later personally interviewed by Elliot Ness, who oversaw the official investigation of the killings in his capacity as Cleveland's safety director. During his interrogation, Sweeney is said to have, quote, failed to pass to very early polygraph machine tests. They were probably just copiers. <laughs> just some dude just like, no, ah, fuck this guy. Give me a favor. Give me a hand. Dude, I was speaking of copiers. Have you heard that story? Like that they used to do that shit? Yeah, they used to. They would that. like load the paper in a copy machine if they knew someone was a fucking idiot. Yeah, and they would ask him questions, and then they would give him the answer, and they'd press the button. It would like spit out your like lie, and like people were dumb enough to fucking believe that. They shit. thought they actually thought because they didn't know better that that copy machine was actually a copy machine. They thought it was a lie detector, right? And so they'd sit there and like say say something, and they had their hand on it, and all of a sudden they ask like a they question, would, and they would load like paper in there that said like yes, and they would ask them their name, and they'd hit the button, and it would come out yes or like truth. And then when they got to the questions that they knew that, you know, they had their questions ahead of time, they would have them loaded in that said lie. Well, well, well. <laughs> so both tests were administered by Shit's polygraph funny. expert Leonard Keeler, who told Ness he had his man. Ness apparently felt there was little chance of obtaining a, success, a successful prosecution of the doctor, especially as he was the first cousin of one of Ness's political opponents. Mm. Congressman Martin L. Sweeney, who had hounded Ness publicly, about his failure to catch the killer. Mm. Yeah. So after Sweeney committed himself. That's the doctor committed himself. Yeah. Yeah. There were no more leads or connections that police could assign to him as a possible suspect. 
From his hospital confinement, Sweeney sent threatening postcards and harassed Elliot Ness and his family into the 1950s. And Sweeney died in a veterans hospital in Dayton, Ohio on July 9th, 1964. So this guy, to me, in all the stuff that I've read or whatever, I always felt like he was probably the guy. This is the this is the guy that most people are convinced. Yeah, I'm is, pretty sure that the guy that was, that the was guy. doing it. All right, so in 1997, another theory postulated that there may have been no single butcher of Kingsbury Run because uh, the murders could have been... Your, here's your copycat, Jeff. Yeah, they could have been committed by different people. This was based on the assumption that the autopsy results were inconclusive. First, Cuyahoga County Coroner Arthur J. Pierce may have been inconsistent in his analysis as to whether the cuts on the bodies were expert or slapdash. Second, his successor... Samuel Gerber, who began to enjoy press attention from his involvement in such cases as the Sam Shepard murder trial, which we know Sam, Sam Shepard, right? Yep, the fugitive. Right. That's another, that's fugitive. another big yep. one. Supposedly, yeah. That's the one-armed man did it. Uh, he was, that, was that one-armed Willie? <laughs> <laughs> oh, shit. Full circle. Jesus. Well, he garnered a reputation for sensational theories. Therefore, the only thing known for certain was that all the murder victims were dismembered. So that's where we're at on all that right now. Now... So this brings me back again, that Gerber guy, <clears throat> remember I was talking to you about how there were different killings that they weren't sure about. That Gerber guy was the coroner in 1950. There was a killing that this Gerber guy attributed to the torso killer. So this is almost, this is like 50, uh, 12 years later. Yeah. And uh, a body showed up with no head, everything like that. I'm not sure if I have it in here or not, but he can, he... It, he, That's the one that was in uh, in Pennsylvania. No, this was in this was in Ohio. Oh shit! And uh, he's he personally he was still the coroner, the county coroner, and he was like, no, this was this is the same fucking guy. Like he he attributed it to the torso killer. No, no but at this time though, if it was the same guy, Sweeney was uh, locked up at the mental institute. He was supposedly he was committed at that point. Yeah. So yeah. So that kind of if it was him, then it definitely takes him out of the equation, right? Oh boy. So I don't know. Like it's it's a weird thing. I think I have that on here somewhere and I'll I'll see if I can find it. But Jeff. Yes, sir. Do you know who the Black Dahlia is? Or should I say was? It's a band. Okay. Outside of the band, do you know who the Black Dahlia was? No. Okay. So the gruesome 1947 murder of aspiring act actress Elizabeth Short, aka the Black Dahlia, which inspired countless books and films, remains unsolved. Okay. So she was an aspiring actress. She had a pretty rough go of it. Went back and forth, was out in L.A., was trying to make herself, uh, you know, a star and was hanging out with all kinds of different dudes and just people that she thought would dudes. be able to benefit her. <laughs> and she, uh, well, many believe uh, that Short's killer uh, may have been the Cleveland Torso killer. So on January 15th, 1947, her nude body was discovered cut in half and severely mutilated in a vacant lot near Limert Park in Los Angeles. The killer not only cleaved the body in, in twain. In twain. I'll cut you in twain. And mutilated the corpse, but Short had also been drained entirely of blood and the remains scrubbed clean. Sounds familiar, doesn't Remember it? Remember I told you that comes back into play? Right. Short's face had also been slashed from the corners of her mouth um, to her ears, creating a chilling effect that they... Uh, Why the, so serious? Yeah. The Glasgow smile, which resembles the Joker. Yeah. Why? So Glasgow serious. smile. You I didn't know there was a name for that. Yeah. I assume that's like an Irish mafia thing. Probably. Well, uh, Scotland. That's Scottish. Scotland. Yeah. It's weird. I wonder what that is. I'm not well, that, that That's up. probably what it is. There was uh, Chibs and Sons of Anarchy. Yeah. Oh yeah. He yeah. had that. Remember? Yeah. Oh yeah. 
And then they do the Jimmy O'Fallon. <laughs> Two decks. <laughs> so it was pretty gruesome, Detective Brian Carr of the Los Angeles Police Department said. Quote, I just can't imagine someone doing that to another human being. Dubbed the Black Dahlia by the press, the case made headlines for weeks as every aspect of Short's brief life was examined by LAPD detectives and the media. The closest thing they had to a clue was that Short had been working as a waitress before meeting her untimely end. A roundup of the cafes, um, you know, the, the people that were there or whatnot, yielded nothing. All right. So the exhaustive homicide investigation went oh. nowhere. As per usual, in a high-profile murder case, there were several confessions by a bunch of kooks and a plethora of sketchy witnesses looking to get their names, you know, in the tabloids. So the Elizabeth Short murder remains one of the most bizarre cold cases in history, fueling a true crime cottage industry of novels and films that purport to solve them crime. They actually had the movie that the, I think it was literally called The Black Dahlia. Yeah. Wasn't it? It was, yeah. Yet... The Black Dahlia may have been a victim of an infamous serial killer who terrorized America's heartland. We know who that is. The Cleveland Torso Murderer. Oh, okay. That's that's who we're talking about. So, real quick, real quick. I just found this out. This is interesting. Uh, There are some pictures of the Glasgow smile, like people that, you know, whatever. Uh, It's all, you know what else? You was another name for it? I'm sure this will sound familiar to you. What? We're talking about heavy metal bands. Chelsea Grin. Oh, really? That's another name That's for the Chelsea Glasgow grin? smile. It's no also called a Chelsea grin. Look at that. guess we know where they that got the name That means a bunch of it. dudes in a garage actually thought out a name. I'll say, I thought it was just a <laughs> shitty band name. So as we all know from this episode that we've been going through, the torso murderer always chopped the heads from his victims' bodies, often you know, chopping the torsos in half. Several, several of the male victims were castrated and others were cleaned with a chemical solvent. The victim's remains were inevitably found months or years after they had been mercilessly butchered. Fuck. Identification by police was often impossible as the victim's heads were rarely found. Often it was a true, uh, a hank of hair or a piece of bone. You know, all the pieces and parts that we talked about. Mm -hmm. So initially, LAPD investigators probing the Elizabeth Short, the Black Dahlia murder, conducted a re-examination of the Cleveland Torso murderer case. While the similarities were uncanny, the link to Dahlia's case proved inconclusive at first. In 1980, a former Cleveland Torso murder suspect, Jack Anderson Wilson, was under investigation by renowned LAPD homicide detective, ready for this, Jigsaw John P. St. John. Oh boy, (laughs) Jigsaw's gonna get you. So St. John (laughs) claimed he was close to proving that Wilson had not only been the Cleveland Torso murderer but had also butchered Elizabeth Short, a.k.a. the Black Dahlia. Before St. John could arrest him, the suspect died in a fire in 1982. Convenient! So, but here's my thing. <clears throat> if you're about to arrest the guy and you have all the proof that he's the killer, what the fuck does it matter if he died? You still have all the proof, right? I, I think it's all about conviction, though. You want to get the guy to actually Justice. say he did it. But yeah. still, you could, like... I, I didn't find anywhere, like, I was looking for the proof that this guy had, and I couldn't find it anywhere. I'm like, why wouldn't you at least put it out there and be like, look, this was the guy. He may be dead, but, like, here you go. Like, this was it. Because, yeah. like, who wouldn't want to be the guy that fucking solved the Black Dahlia murder? Because it's probably circumstantial <clears throat> bullshit that it actually doesn't actually have any clout. Because, yeah, you're right. I mean, if you actually have... How the fuck is he going to arrest the guy? Yeah, I don't know, man. I wasn't there, man. I don't know. So a, lo- a local <laughs> Cleveland man who studied the case for years named James Nadal that they certain that the aforementioned Dr. Francis Sweeney is indeed the killer. All right. Again, we talked about that. I still think it's a cop. 
he lays out evidence in an interview with Cleveland Magazine in 2014. He puts forth on his 2001 book that there was a vagrant named Emil Fronick who claimed a Cleveland doctor tried to drug him in 1934, right around the same time the murders had begun. Badal also believes he's identified the butcher's laboratory, the place where he dis, uh, disarticulated or chopped up his victims. And um, it's actually pretty cool. You can find the Cleveland Magazine interview online if you're interested. It's good reading and definitely interesting. The story of the vagrant being poisoned, um, we're going to include here because it's pretty interesting here. And it's definitely an intriguing part of the tale. Now, before we get into that, this uh, little shop that the doctor had was actually right next to a um, a funeral home or a mortuary, if you look it up. Oh, so you know this part. I know, you know this the part. story. All right. Cool. Oh, so is that what we're getting into? It, it mentions that. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. So yeah, you'll, yeah this is fucked up. <laughs> so in November 1934, Fronick uh, supposedly was walking up Broadway Avenue looking for food. He said he found himself on the second floor of doctor's uh, of a doctor's office. The doctor said, "I'll give you a meal." While Emil was shoveling the food down, he began to feel woozy and wondered if he'd been drugged. So he ran down the steps onto Broadway and into Kingsbury Run, got into a boxcar, fell asleep, and awoke three days later. He said he went back to Broadway and East 55th, but couldn't find the doctor. He decided Cleveland was pretty dangerous, so he went to <laughs> Chicago. <laughs> Good pick. <laughs> Chicago at this time, and got a job as a longshoreman. In August 1938, his story got back to Cleveland. Detective Peter, oh, that's that damn name again, Merlo, 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 oh, was sent to Chicago to bring him back. So two policemen drove Fronick up Broadway slowly. When he got to the area around East 50th and East 55th, he says, quote, it's here someplace. They walked up and down the street several times, but he couldn't find anything that looked like a doctor's office. Ness interviewed him. They didn't put that part in there. Huh? Not to talk about that. Oh, yeah, yeah. So Ness interviewed him. Officially, they decide that uh, this is what the papers report, that they didn't, ha- uh, they didn't think it had anything to do with the butcher. They were convinced the butcher's laboratory was close to downtown which this so is that, what we're talking about. So now this is before we get into the next one is talk about the, uh, the mortuary. And stuff. Okay. So, cause they did mention that in a different article. I didn't, I thought I had, right. There, so basically what they found out is, is that the Dr. Sweeney, his office that he had was literally right next to a mortuary. Um, and the mortuary is where they could, you know, dead bodies come in. You can drain them of blood. You have ease and access to get rid of, of certain parts and whatnot because you've got a furnace in there. Right. You've got all the means to dispose of certain items and certain parts of the body, especially, and this is the biggest part, the, the draining of the blood. Yeah. That's that's a huge thing. They and actually they have things where you can do that. There. It's like it's on the tables, dude. They right. have like little things. Yeah. So basically they were also saying, that the uh, the um, the mortuary that that place had a um, it's a fucking word I'm looking for a contract basically with the city that all the vagrants and dead bodies that they couldn't identify and all the random people that died like the John Doe's and everything like that like this mortuary would take care of all of that stuff right it was like super close to downtown because they had you know people with no families nothing like that like they couldn't find like this was where they sent them was this place right so these tables that Moody were talking about too like uh, you know what an embalming table is right oh, yeah yeah so they basically take your blood out and they put embalming fluid in you so your body lasts longer during your funeral and whatnot all right so he had ease like literally they shared a door in this building together. All right. Awesome. 
<laughs> so it's just a pretty cool. Uh, it's 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 cool and it's fucked up and it's creepy and it's fucking damn whatever. I'm taking back. It's not a cop. Yeah, I'm telling you, I still think it's Sweeney. So another interesting story theory, or theory here involves a series of killings. Um, um, what does it say? Killings actors the pond across the pond. <laughs> <laughs> across the pond they were also dubbed the torso murders they happened 40 years earlier in london 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 bridges falling (laughs) so while jack the ripper was terrorizing Whitechapel, a second serial killer was dismembering bodies and dumping the body parts most of them ended up in the in the thames but a few were found in secluded parks near Whitechapel. At one point during the Ripper investigation, the two murderers were even compared, and it was decided that the torso murder, a murderer of London and Jack the Ripper were not the same serial killer. It is unlikely that the killer from 19, or 1888 in London dismembering bodies was the same killer doing it in Cleveland in 1936. Even if the London murderer was at you know 18 at the time, he would have been 58 when the first body turned up in Cleveland. So, I mean, it, it potentially could still be. I yeah. mean, Copycat. Yeah. However, there has been speculation that the two sets of murders could have been committed by a father-son. Oh, legacy. Yeah, Mm -hmm. it is possibly the earliest mention of a father passing along his desire to kill to a son. At the time of the torso murders in Cleveland, this was dismissed as far-fetched. But recent research has revealed that some of the details of the crimes are almost exact matches for each other. In 1937, however, it was... This is funny, by the way. It was proposed by a coroner who was aware of the torso murders in London and, and Ness made the coroner swear to never repeat the theory or he'd fire him for being incompetent. <laughs> Fucking Elliot you Ness. Say that shit again, I'm going to fire you. Um, Elliot Ness just... Why? What the, <laughs> no, it's listen. a good idea. Shut the fuck up. <laughs> Mr. Ness, Mr. Ness, I'm telling you, I got this. You say that again, I'm going to punch you right in the fucking mouth. <laughs> so... There were... Or there you have it here. The most chilling, crazy, headless serial killer you've probably never heard of. Unless you're from Cleveland, uh, and it's a big-time serial murder enthusiast like I am. That's how I knew so much about this. Uh, was it related to the Black Dahlia? Uh, was it a deranged doctor? Was it actually a group of people uh, or, or a bunch of copycat killers disposing of bodies? So, you know, just to throw off authorities. Uh, we honestly may never know. And, uh, you know, Cleveland's very own Jack the fucking Ripper here, man. So there are many books, as uh, one might expect, written about this subject. Much of the information for this episode was gathered from two places. First, a book entitled Maniac in the Bushes and More Tales of Cleveland Woe, written by John Stark Bellamy II. It contains numerous stories of true crime and disasters from Cleveland throughout the years. He had a series of these books, which are great reading if you're not from Cleveland, which detail other major crimes like the Sam uh, Shepard murder trial and disasters like the Collinwood High School fire and the Mayday riots. The second source was the Cleveland Police Museum website. As far as the top 10 movies for tonight... (laughs) There are several document or documentary and doc series, whatever, based on the murders. A movie called uh, Kingsbury Run was released in 2018. The movie is about a killer who is basing his crime spree off of the torso murders. It's currently got a 5.9 star rating on IM fucking DB. Five Nights not too bad for IMDb. I looked. Though. I looked up I mean, the. Tra- like, I looked up the trailer and shit, and it actually didn't look that bad. Like it has potential. Like I yeah. probably I might watch it one day. Yeah, because six is like. Decent. All right, passengers. We hope you enjoyed your ride with us on the Cleveland Torso Murders. Our first, Jeff. Our first true crime. Our first actual true crime episode. Hopefully it wasn't too uh, harsh for some of you guys out there. Jeff, you said in the beginning of this that you knew of, but you didn't know about. Now I do. How do you feel about it? 
It's interesting. I I was just really hoping it was going to be a cop because in my head, I was just going to ask you if like, you still think it was a cop. Well, in my head, like it fit perfectly. It's like okay, it's an inside, it's an inside person. It's a cop that he knows all the details and everything. Like, why would it not be a cop? But then after we, you know, discovered the whole Sweeney thing, that makes more sense. Right. Now. My favorite part about this, um, this. Um, and entire thing is that truthfully we don't know who it is did you let me get let me like ask we, you we, guys. we just don't know like it, for all we know that this person could have just lived a long and fruitful life and just got away with killing yeah, imagine yeah. I mean, think people. about it imagine if he was like they were saying with those london ones imagine if this guy whoever did it girl maybe you never know was 18 when they started it in in the early 30s right yeah well, who's to say they didn't do shit they in They could between. have lived a long fucking right. time, man. I was going to say, if your grandparents or parents ever talked about this to you guys at all? No. Neither I, am I. That's really. why I wasn't familiar with it. Yeah, I've no. just heard about it throughout the year just because it happened here. You know, and usually, right. like, my grandpa, he would, tell, he, you know, oh, yeah, that was the blah, blah, blah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, I'm surprised that guess never come up. I'm just absolutely yeah. obsessed with Unless maybe you know, might, People just don't talk about it, yeah. maybe. I don't it's know. Just, yeah, I mean, it was one of those so things. Like My thinking on this, too, is that, like you just said, if he was 18 years of age and he started off over in London, and then let's just say there was a 30-year break in between, 40 year break, whatever it may have been. Who's to say what this person may or may not have done in between? In between. Yeah. There may be a bunch of shit that they just, they All just over never. The, like in other countries, in other and countries, other, places. other states, other whatever yeah. that they may never have contributed to it because maybe it was a one off over here and then a one off well, over like there. Like I said, there was, there was the those 20s? other ones. There was those other murders in Pennsylvania that started in like 1924, I think. So See? that was that was 10 years before the first torso. There you up. go. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> so, like it's very possible that this person may have just been doing it. And it, did it ever say how old Dr. Sweeney was? I'm sorry, I didn't. I didn't see that part in here. I don't know, actually, to be honest with you. This I is my know. this is my speculations and shit coming in here right now. Hold on, I got to find this now. Ah, anyway, so um, let's see. Oh, look, born May fifth, eighteen ninety four. Yeah, that was my birthday. Okay. Oh, that's right. That's right. Right. So he was forty when that shit started. Right. There's no way he. Well, I don't know. Back then, you only lived to like sixty. Yeah. He lived for a while, though. He died in the... I think he said he died in, like, the 60s or something like that. Yeah, it was something like that. Yeah, he was still in his uh, in his thing or whatever. All I'm saying is it's very possible that whoever this was, especially if it was... Let's just say it was or was not Sweeney. This person could have done a lot more in between that we don't know about that was never... Sent. Not only that, think about this, though. It, if there is a connection to the whole Jack the Ripper uh, torso, the Thames torso murders that we were talking about... Mm -hmm. Think about like when those took place and when he was born. Why not be a total like that could be a father something? Not too you know far what I'm off. Saying like who's to what say you, that he's not that you know? Yeah. Let me ask you this: What do you guys think the motive was? Do you think like he just wanted to get rid of homeless people and that's why he was killing them, or do you think there was like some kind of like message behind it? I don't know. Maybe he's just a crazy fuck. Yeah, I think. That, I, think I mean, yeah, that's obviously always an option, but. <laughs> You know, I mean, what, to me, what it is, especially, especially the um, taunting of of Elliot Ness. Yeah, that was. I think what it is is somebody with that that whole um, "I'm better than you" mentality. Like you're unstoppable, you're impervious, and narcissistic. You know, aptitude or whatever. You 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 know that you're smarter than everyone else. Who else is smarter than everyone else in that time? A fucking doctor. And not only that, who's because he was the first, he was the cousin of Elianessa's major opponent politically. So if he's got the means to do it, 
and he can help his cousin fucking gain political clout by making Elliot Ness look like a moron. See, that's why I was asking. I, I wanted to hear what your guys' thoughts were. On but the on top of that, too, if his cousin has all this political clout, they could always push shit under the fucking rug. There may be that shit that never happens. Yeah, right. That's exactly. If you couple, <laughs> right. if you couple those two things together, yeah. I mean, dude, uh, th- that's that's who I. Uh, that's definitely who I. So there I'm, you go, folks. The Midnight Train solved it with the motive. <laughs> I don't know if we did that. Crescent wrench in the dining room, Colonel Mustard. <laughs> but it was definitely fun. So we want to know what you guys think of that. The Cleveland Torso Murders, our very first real true crime episode that didn't have our ants involved in it or <laughs> or a nut job named Manson. <laughs> yeah. So yes, we uh we want to thank you guys for listening for sure. And also make sure to stop on over to our official website, the midnighttrainpodcast.com. Over at our website, you can buy some really cool merchandise at our our store over there and we'll donate 10% of every sale to the National Association on Mental Illness. If you or someone you know is struggling with any mental health issues like Moody, call the NAMI helpline at 1-800-950-6264. The National Suicide Prevention Lifeline at 1-800-273-8255 or in a crisis, text NAMI, that's N-A-M-I, 2741741 because mental health is no joke. And listeners keep asking how they can keep the steam in our engines. Well, if you like what you hear from us, please do us a favor. Consider being a producer of the show by heading on over to the midnighttrainpodcast.com and clicking on the Patreon button or just going over to patreon.com forward slash the midnight train podcast for as little as five bucks a month. That's like a cup of coffee. That's like nothing. That's like going to Starbucks and getting like a cappuccino frappe delicioso, whatever the fuck it is. But with us, you get all kinds of cool shit. Oh, yeah. You get bonus episodes. You get custom shirt, custom poster, possibly, you know, depends on the tier system and everything else. But there's all kinds of cool shit, especially the bonus episodes. So if you're a diehard Midnight Train fan and you want to help produce this motherfucker, Patreon is definitely for you. For those oh, of- <laughs> good for you. For those of you that would rather leave us a one-time donation, you can head on over to PayPal and use the email address, the Midnight Train Podcast at gmail.com. Even a penny. Even leave a us penny. a penny. Penny? Penny helps. Penny. Penny for your thoughts. That shit adds up. If we got a penny a day for a full year, we'd have three fucking dollars, dude. And 65 cents. Yeah, right. That is math. That's what I'm... Is it? Yeah. Unless it's a leap year. Then it's 364, Ooh. right? Yeah. No, it'd be 366. That's what I said. Also, you can easily like, subscribe, and rate us on your favorite podcast platform. And most importantly, please, please share the Midnight Train to everyone. It takes only a couple of minutes, and word of mouth is definitely how we're going to keep getting more passengers on this train and continue to bring you weekly episodes. We cannot thank you guys all enough for the love. All enough? <laughs> all notes? What? For the love? <laughs> She's a man-eater. <laughs> enough for the love and support we've received you guys really do keep it moving and we can't just it, it's so awesome like especially all the feedback we get from everyone online and please find us on social media because it's so much fun and we love hearing from everybody all right so i actually have a quick question that i would like to know from you people okay i saw that somebody posted that they're a spotify listener and other people posted where they listen at and that's cool and everything i'm curious for my own uh for my own reasons what day you guys usually listen to this podcast Oh, do you listen to one. it the day it comes out, or do you listen to it at a different day throughout the week that's at your earliest convenience? That's I'm question. curious because I'm trying to put some things together. That's that's a good question. And uh, also, you asked the question last week. You wanted to know what people were listening on, and you're not on social media. So uh, I've seen Spotify. Uh, Spotify a lot. 
uh, Podbean, which is our Apple host. Podcast. Um, Apple Podcast. Uh, there was a random one that I had never heard of. What was it called? Uh, Overcast? It was Cheryl. Cheryl Overcast. on something. Overcast. All right, so people aren't using Google Music. That's what I was worried about because it, yeah, as like far I said, I transitioned to YouTube. You googly. But Spotify, that's where I listen to now, too. Spotify seems to be pretty good. Yeah, I like Spotify. Spotify. Spotify! Yeah, Overcast. Yeah, yeah Overcast. Overcast, Podbean, Apple. Podbean. And somebody commented, you guys actually listen to this trash. That was you, you fuck. Well, that was me. <laughs> Who listens on Caster Smash? Can't, that, I don't think that's a thing. No, it is. No. <laughs> it it's is got whistle poof ratings. <laughs> yes. So listen, a big fucking midnight train shout out to Tess, Heidi, Kaylin, Kevin, Matt, Diana, Christopher, Jacqueline, Katie, Michaela, Ramsey, Tamar, Tommy Speakerbox, The Sister Skeleton. Please make sure you check out The Sister Skeleton podcast wherever you listen to podcasts. Riley, Diane, Alina, Stephanie, Julie, Laura, Cynthia, Kirsten, Dawn, Nicola, Caitlin, Chanel, Alex, Emily Ann, Son of Vasco, Alicia, Frandapai, Danny, Melissa, Grace, Stormy, Eva, Melissa, the other one, Wayne, Victoria, Hager, Sean, Chainsaw. I have no doubt. Jigsaw, with not the jigsaw we talked about today. That no, was, no, <laughs> not the not the detective. Not the detective. Jigsaw, no. Jimmy John, St. John Johnson, or something like that. I like Jimmy John's. It's pretty good. Yeah, they got yeah. Freaky fast. Um, Bill Sun, Colin, Todd, uh, David Vallo, Juan, Belen, Ken and Brad at Voodoo Vodka, uh, Chef Kevin, Katie Brabinick, Davey, our Mexican Vato, and a very special thank you to our superhero Patreon fucking producers. You guys are so amazing. Chad Flint, Cheryl Pierce. Chris McLeod, Justin Kowalczyk, Rob Webb from the Fun Funbox Podcast. Sorry, Rob. Christina Skelton, Maria Gibbs, Jessica Bartolome, Bill Birch, and Samantha Pickworth. And Captain Swing. And Captain Swing. Ah, Captain Swing, your Patreon. <laughs> Here's $5. Fuck yourself. <laughs> if you, Wait, can I say something real quick uh, before uh, we... Of course. I just got to get this in. I... So while I was on the run this week, I got some really, really bad news, and it fucking tanked me out even being on the run alex trebek died alex fucking trebek yeah, died yeah it sucks but no you know what though you know what's great he went out the way he wanted to peacefully at a sunset on a swing with his wife no did shit he, he did said he, really? he wanted to die that way and that's exactly how he died that's yeah. awesome yep oh that almost makes me want to cry a little name bit. one that, name like, one better game show host throughout the years than fucking alex trebek that guy was the pat sajak Fuck Pat Sage. Bob Barker. It's the only one I know. No way, dude. Oh, Bob Barker. Yeah, that's one. No way. No, definitely. Trebek was the man. Drew Carey. He was like, Trebek, <laughs> Trebek set the fucking bar oh, yeah. for game show hosts, man. But I do have to say, I think it's pretty funny, and I love all of the memes that are floating out there that talk about how Sean Connery died right before he did. And they did, yeah. And, the and, whole... they're, like, and they're like, they're going to go up They're gonna go up and have a rivalry in heaven or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's super fucking cool. I yeah. thought that was awesome. So anyway. Um, yeah. Again, to uh, Christina uh, Skelton, Maria Gibbs, Jessica Bartolome, Bill Birch, Sam Math Pickwork. I think I said already that Getting already. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you guys so much <laughs> for everything Swing you do. With a $5 donation. That's where we were. <laughs> if you want your name, <laughs> if you would like your name to be mentioned on the show, please sign up as a member on our website. It is free to sign up, folks, just so you guys know. You can sign up on the website, and then you guys can get all kinds of cool shit. And sign up, whatever, motherfuckers! Uh, including our blog that I post up our notes and stuff on every week. What is a blog? It's a... a is it a blue log? It's a... B-log. B-log. <laughs> you had to warm up for it. Well, I had something, but I didn't think it was appropriate, so I just I didn't say uh, it. Were so, you going to say yeah. bitch log? Yeah, yeah, it's a bitch log. 
But, butt log. <laughs> butt log. It's a butt log. <laughs> so anyway, you guys can get over there or become a Patreon producer. And you guys will be specially thanked by us because we love you so much. Okay, oh. is this the moment we've been waiting for? This is the moment we've been waiting Pins for. Pins and needles. We, I, I just, I, we gotta, we gotta know what the hell started all of this, Moody. Yeah, Moody, you, you gotta, you gotta let us know, man. Come okay. on. Okay. All right. <clears throat> so here we go. This is. It started back when we started doing the conspiracy corners. Okay. Right? Like everything was getting kind of weird. Like everything was cool at first. Things started getting weird. I started like. I thought I was going crazy. Like shit was happening in my house. Like things were being moved and things weren't where they were supposed to be. And like, it was just kind of weird. Right. Uh huh. And then as we did more of the conspiracy stuff and people, whatever, and I started posting shit online, like I just started getting like these feelings, like people were watching me and shit like that. So like, who is watching you? Choo choo motherfuckers. 